abs in a six pack it's abs in a six pack broadcasting live january 1st 2021 joined by midnight mike of the obdm podcast our big dumb mouth huge fan of that show how you doing mike i'm doing well what should i call you should i call you abs or six pack <laughs> uh in the no agenda circles i'm sir seat sitter but i prefer chris because that's my name okay we can go with uh, Chris. That's fine. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. And just while we're on the topic of names, I have listened to probably 50 episodes of OBDM, and I still don't understand what uh, your main co-host name is. Is it Gretchen? Gretchit? Gretcher? Uh, Gretchen. It's with a C-R-E. Uh, it's oh, not Gretchen. Gretchen. It's, it's Gretchen. I don't know where it comes from either. But it, Sounds like it a Charles me- Dickens character. Yeah, I don't know where it, uh, where it came from. I don't know if that's his real name, a nickname. It's just what he came up with. He just appeared one day, and he's been with us ever since. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love the show. And as I already told you, you are a goddamn wizard with that soundboard, dude. Like, it's it's amazing what you pull off. Uh, it just takes a lot of practice, and I have many, many sound clips at the ready. Like, racks and racks of stuff, and I'm constantly... Uh, curating. So I will be adding new sound clips every week and rotating new one and old ones out. That's right. Like, like all that, exactly. All that stuff. Thank you for your courage. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and this is going to be a, a sound battle back and forth. But, you know, as yeah, I go it, through my daily life and consume media, um, if I hear something, I will just grab it and integrate it into the show. Um, but it's it's fun to do. It's goofy. And uh, I hope people enjoy it. I think a lot of people are annoyed by it because when they listen to like a conspiracy show or a paranormal show, they they want it to be a little bit more serious. And I I kind of take the no agenda philosophy of it, kind of doing like a a morning drive time show, but talking about current events and paranormal stuff. I grew up listening to Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony when I started the show back in uh, two thousand five. That's that's what I wanted to create, and it's just over the the past decade plus, it's just been refining that model. I don't know if it's good wow, or bad, wait, but I like o- it. So OBDM has been going since two thousand and five. Yeah, I did the first show probably in two thousand five wow. uh, with my my buddy Bradford, who is one of the original co hosts, and we recorded it uh, on uh, Pro Tools. I was playing in a metal band at the time, um, and so we had like a lot of extra equipment lying around did uh, a couple shows in 2005 um i didn't know how to uh distribute it at the time i didn't know about uh how to uh, integrate an rss feed into like itunes or anything like that but i was obsessed with doing a, a talk radio show and i took a break for about a year and then have been putting out pretty much an episode a week since 2007 so the the, the show started during the bush administration yeah, you went. You started before No Agenda, then. Uh, yeah, just a little bit before No Agenda. That's crazy, uh, man! I didn't know, realize that. Yeah, well, most of the episodes, the older stuff, is not uh, accessible online. Uh, so people, if they subscribe to the RSS feed through uh, iTunes, they can get back to episode three hundred. So there's probably six to seven hundred hours of audio available for free for people. But the really early episodes, they're new co-hosts or you know, it's like the older crew uh, of it was basically three or four people and I was hosting the show and it's tough to keep a show together for a couple of years, let alone a decade. 
And I'm still in contact with a lot of those ghosts. They just don't have the time to do it. Uh, occasionally, some of the old guys will pop in and say hi. But pro- pretty much since episode 300, Joe has been uh, the co-host. Joe has since kind of backed out the last couple months because he's had uh, employment issues, job issues, and he's going to be coming back in in 2021. It's just tough. Like It is tough yeah, no. to do any sort of project for that length of time. Yeah, my abs and six-pack came about because it was, I mean, we just started this year and we already have hit that wall. So it started out, it was Arnold Beamer Stevenson, our last name, abs, and we would drink a six-pack and dissect the topic, usually something conspiracy-related. And uh, so that's where the the abs was the initials, the six-pack was the booze. And uh, within a year, it started falling apart as far as co-host goes. So now I have to like come up with what the ABS stands for i'm thinking arnold bullshits but we'll see what happens but yeah they'll, they'll be here out of maybe one out of every three episodes i'll get a co-host but other than that i'm it's just me because <laughs> i'm the only and also where you're uh instead of the value for value model um that the no agenda guys pro, uh, procured we are we're on the no agenda stream but we're on the value for nothing model i like it yeah no no ads <laughs> no paywalls and we don't accept donations so it's uh it's hard to get co-hosts to stick around when you have that kind of a financial model, too. Uh, you can do what Alex Jones says right here. Give me money. Give me bitch. Yeah, that's what uh, <laughs> Alex likes right there. And we are broadcasting live. This is a new live son of a bitch. Hell yeah. I like it. it, it yeah, I, give, I give a hats off to anybody who does a podcast and, and keeps it going longer than a few months because... It, uh, it is a commitment uh, to put something out consistently and to get people to agree to schedule and, uh, and, and be a part of something and work with other people. It requires a lot of coordination and scheduling. So for even Adam and John of No Agenda to keep it going, it's amazing. You can hear some of their on-air squabbles, and they <laughs> put that aside because they have a great show. They understand that, yeah, they might not agree on everything. And they and know they, the squabbles are good for ratings. They really so. are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll, fig- you'll figure it out, man. Really, yeah, you'll, you'll like like booking me and booking your your other guests. Like, it's nice to have co-hosts, but it's not always necessary. Yeah, I've done a couple episodes by myself. Like, I did a two-hour episode on cocaine. It was the second episode of the show because my co-host got the Rona. So, with clips and everything, and already having a presentation prepared, I realized like, yeah, I could do this by myself if I wanted to, but I would rather have somebody to talk to. But uh, yeah, here in East Tennessee, I've been doing it for coming up on a full year now. I'm from Tennessee, and I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know you were in Tennessee. Yeah, we were when my wife and I were um, getting ready to move again. We moved to uh, Phoenix a couple years ago, and then all this shit happened. And we were like, ah, we want to get to some property. We want to get closer to friends and family and become more self sustainable. Tennessee was one of the states we were looking at to move to, but uh, we winded up uh, settling, going back to the Columbus, Ohio area, uh, simply because her daughter's here, my wife's daughter's here, we have a lot of family, and it's closer to my family as well, and and we got ourselves a nice little property, but Tennessee, man, I do like that state. Yeah, Tennessee, as far as the lockdowns go, has been one of the best states, and uh, yeah, I'm from Toledo originally, so... I've been through Ohio a lot. I like Ohio, okay. It's all right. It's not in the I right like home the Great about. Lakes. It's yeah. uh, 
it's it's okay. Ohio is just a uh, lot of interesting things that uh, that have happened here. Obviously, uh, if you're a fan of the UFO phenomenon, you got we got Wright Patterson Air Force Base where uh, it's rumored that the the Roswell uh, crash wreckage went to. That's also uh, been rumored. That's where Eisenhower had the the famous meeting with the ETs, and they struck up some kind of deal. Then, if you're into uh, Ancient history. We have the Serpent Mounds here in Ohio. Uh, oh, yeah, and then wild. when it comes to cryptozoology, a lot of interesting things have happened here, ranging from the Ohio Grassman, uh, uh, which is like a form of Sasquatch Bigfoot. We also have the, the Loveland a Frog Monster, which is up north near Cleveland. And then right down there, which I call the, the asshole of Ohio, where Ohio and West Virginia and kind of Kentucky kind of all meet, is a hot spot for paranoia, uh, paranormal activity. Uh, down there you have the Kentucky Goblins, and then right over the border, for, right close to Ohio and, and, and West Virginia and Pennsylvania, a lot of Mothman sightings. So uh, if, you're, if you're into ridiculous. all that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, it is ridiculous, but... Uh, Ohio has some cool things to look at. I've I've never been really into cryptids, but I will say Dean Reiner of the Up Is Down podcast has gotten me on a dog man hunt. Like he has got me like freaked out about dog man. Dog, you know, dog, dog man, man is yeah, like dog man is a is a it's a weird offshoot of the the Bigfoot phenomena, a completely different creature, and, and I think a little bit more terrifying. The, the the sightings of Dogman, uh, witnesses will describe the creature as anywhere from six to eight feet tall, having the hind legs of a dog. But this thing stands upright, almost like a werewolf kind of creature. And uh, there's a documentary put out a few years ago by Small Town Monsters and uh, Seth from uh, from uh, that 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 film production crew has been on OBDM. He's a he's a, a fellow Ohio guy. Uh, up in the uh, the Cuyahoga, uh, Cuyahoga Valley area, and he's come on and he investigates these cryptozoological encounters, but he 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 has no interest in whether they're true or not. In fact, I, I don't even know if he's fully invested in the the outcome of whether they're true or not. He is documenting the stories from a folklore perspective as something that uh, these events, these witnesses, have experienced something. And uh, I believe a lot of the witnesses to be truthful. And when it comes to Dogman, there's a, a great series of events called the, the Beast of Bray Road, where uh, many different people in the area, uh, I believe it took place in, in, in Michigan, are on record of seeing this beast, this 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 a bipedal Dogman-like creature trouncing through the woods, uh, coming close to people's houses. And it's so much so there was a property owner out there in Michigan that set up trail cam to investigate who or what was encroaching on his property. And some of the pictures he got back were pretty uh, puzzling because you would expect to see a coyote. You, you would expect to see maybe a wolf or some sort of canine that would come in and start scavenging through dead carcasses. Like he left out a deer carcass for uh, this beast to to feast upon so you can get a, a good image. And uh, the image that he captured was of a white mist. And that doesn't make a lot of sense because you're expecting to see some tangible creature 
feeding upon the dead carcass of a deer, but no, he got like a white mist that was traveling through the area on trail cam. And that leads to the speculation, what are these creatures that people are seeing? Is it interdimensional? I would would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's the more you investigate this stuff. And I do make fun of this stuff because it it seemed it, this reality to me is so goofy. You got it. You got to, you got to goof on it sometimes, and you got to make fun of it uh, just to deal with the the possible repercussions of what we're actually dealing with. Because these beasts, uh, I believe that they are real, but what you, the viewer, experience might be a little different than what somebody else experienced. And I think that's left up to you, uh, the person who is perceiving these events and encounters. Um, it's it's mind-boggling. And it's it, there's a lot of philosophical questions that go along with all this stuff, but it's fascinating topics. Yeah, they seem to correlate with being near military bases. Like most of the stuff I've heard about happening in Tennessee, because Dean got me on this kick uh, when he was red pilling me about the dog man. I started looking into the dog man and, and all the sightings, and the ones in Tennessee all seem to be around Oak Ridge Labs, which, if you know anything about Oak Ridge, there's predator drones flying all over the place all the time up, up above and in freshman year of high school we went to like this christian type prom thing that was in oak ridge and we took a wrong turn and we we're going down this like road in the woods and i'm in the back seat not really paying attention all of a sudden in, in, late at night four guys in full camo and assault rifles just pop out behind the trees and point them at us and say you guys need to turn the fuck around and so i've always been kind of weary of oak ridge but then Last year, I think it was NBC News did this story like scientists at Oak Ridge say they've opened a portal to another dimension. And I'm like, if they're admitting that, what the hell else are they doing over at Oak Ridge? So, yeah, it seems a lot of these cryptids are somewhere like the at least the ones I've looked at correlate to military bases or weird labs. And And that certainly is a possibility. That's one of the speculations uh, that is out there, that these uh, these creatures that are running around, some are uh, military experiments, some sort of uh, genetic experiment uh, that has run amok, maybe got loose, or was on purpose set loose to see what the reaction of the normal population out here would be. Um, Another fascinating thing when it it concerns the, the, the case of the Beast of Bray Road is that when some of the town's officials were investigating it, they were not only taking eyewitness account testimony, but they themselves uh, were experiencing weird paranormal events. It's almost as if when you start to acknowledge these events and you acknowledge that something weird is going on, that weirdness gets attached to you in some way and impacts your your life. And I I have a clip here from uh, this documentary about what these officials experience when investigating the Beast of Bray Road. Do you mind if I play this? Hit me with it. Here we go. He had a row of books on the shelf behind him at his desk, and when they started talking about this, the books started flying off the shelf. Not too long into the conversation, some books that were up on a bookshelf um, just came flying down, and there really wasn't any cause for the books to go flying off the shelf. So that, that was the end of that conversation. 
Yeah, so as these officials, and, and that included um, a city official concerning um, uh, animal control, there was, I believe, a sheriff there. As they were talking about the, the beast of Bray Road, they didn't call it that at the time, but some beast that was lurking about, uh, books started flying off the shelf. Uh, and that's just one example of paranormal activity or poltergeist activity that has occurred when you insert yourself into these kind of things. It's weird. It's almost like you acknowledge the phenomenon, and in turn, it acknowledges you back. It's so strange. So if you believe in UFOs, you're more likely to get abducted? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I, th- I think it might go along those lines. Uh, I believe that belief and, uh, uh, and, and acknowledgement goes a long way into experiencing some of these weird things. It's not to say it's not like an absolute either way, because there are definitely reports of people that don't believe in UFOs that have experienced something incredible that have uh, changed their mind. But I, I think that, yeah, that's part of the equation, belief and uh, acknowledging these weird things is, is part of it. So my, like, from what I've read, a lot of these witnesses, they don't want to deal with this crap. Uh, a lot of them that experience these incredible things it has impacted their their life so much that they just don't want to acknowledge it and they'll just shut up they won't tell anybody about it but over the years it traumatized them in such a way that they want to come clean they want to find some sort of community they want to be able to express whatever event that they, they experienced and maybe find somebody else that has experienced something similar um here, right. I, I got a couple more clips from the documentary. This, I have two. Um, this is concerning the farmer and the guy, the property owner, that put out a carcass to capture whatever image of uh, what was going on on his property. So this is like uh, a couple minutes here, but it's fascinating when it comes to investigating Dog Man or whatever the hell this is. This is from the, the documentary from... Uh, Small Town Monsters, and it's called The Beast of Bray Road. And this is clip one of two. Here we go. I bought the property in 2007. My farm is on, in between Bowers and Bray. I was new in the area, so I had not talked with many people. You know, I cut hay, and it was ready to be bailed on a Sunday in September of 2013. So I basically went down the road and to a couple local farmers and I said, I need help getting hay up, will you guys come and help? And they said, sure, we'll come and help. So they did. And after we got done, the one guy said, he said, well, he said, you know, the beast of Bray Road lives back on your property there. He said, oh yeah, he said, my wife saw it. And another farmer saw it. And then he told me another farmer saw it. The one farmer who, who had seen it on Bray Road eating a raccoon. And I go, okay, sure, and so forth and so on. So a couple days later, I was driving down Bowers Road, and there was a raccoon. So I took it and threw it out back on my property line, and go back two days later, and here the the raccoon is cut open, and the intestines are gone. Okay, so that's this one uh, clip that, to kind of set it up. But as you heard there, hey, it's almost like common knowledge in that area that uh, some weird beast is is lurking about and uh they don't really have a problem talking about it with their neighbors and and letting the community know what they think is going on but it's another thing to come out in public and go on record and to be deemed crazy because inevitably that's 
what happens when you 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 start talking about these crazy events and I don't I'm not saying the people are crazy. I'm saying the the, the events themselves are really outside the uh, normal life. <laughs> and, yeah, and and a lot of these guys like when I hear them it's or guys or gals it's like hunters or farmers who spent all their time outdoors and after these encounters some of them never go back in the woods again. Yeah, and the the dogman encounters are different than Sasquatch encounters. A lot of the the Sasquatch encounters seem to be somewhat benign. They are the Sasquatch or Bigfoot are just observers. You know, sometimes they'll chuck rocks or they'll they'll make a big noise to maybe drive you out of the area. A lot of what I've heard from the the dogman interactions they seem to be a little bit more predatory. Like a lot of times, the the dogman are are appear to be in hunt mode or stalking mode, where they're trying to feed, and the human happens to be in the area. Um, so yeah. I, I when it comes to uh, meeting one or the other, I'd rather meet a Sasquatch than a dogman. But both are fascinating. Yeah, and uh, the dogman. Some of the clips Dean Reiner was playing when he was on because he he did this whole presentation. Uh, we ended up going like six hours about Fort Hood, and he wrapped it with like all these dogman uh, encounters near Fort Hood, Texas. And uh, it was there was some of them where it was like this dude is like here's this woman screaming in the woods out by this trailer park in Texas, and he goes outside, and there's like six dogmen at night that all are like eight or nine feet tall. He says, and he sat he doesn't sound like he's bullshitting. Like this dude sounds like he's freaking out, reliving, telling the story, and. They all had glowing eyes. Um, there's like almost like a psychic connection. It seems like with some of these dogmen, like I don't know, it almost seems like demonic or something. I don't know what the hell I have to think about it. That I mean, that's what a lot of people get out of it is that there's some sort of demonic force behind it, and they can't yeah. really articulate it. Um, I got this uh, one last clip from the Beast of Bay Road. Uh, this is, uh, I think, maybe the far- same farmer talking uh, about. Uh, what he tried to do to document his experience. Here we go. As Lee's curiosity about the happenings on his property began to grow, the strangeness of what he was dealing with followed suit. Over the next four years, he would document the disappearance and dismemberment of dozens of mutilated animal corpses that defied the rules of nature. While the trail cameras he set out were meant to capture evidence of whatever was behind the mutilations, it soon began capturing mysterious lights and objects in the sky, along with other unexplainable occurrences taking place on his farm. I, like, I basically had a deer out for three years, three to four years. There was things happening with the deer and the lights. Yeah, they were very close together. I mean, he had the idea of uh, bringing a small deer that he found. It was a 60-pound roadkill deer. And the mist, and then that mist came and like cloaked it, and then the deer's gone. Well, it happened that um, he had the deer set down in kind of a little nest of grass on the edge of his property, and when he came back, um, the deer was gone. He thought, aha, it'll be on the trail camera. He looked at it, and at the time that the deer would have had to have been taken, this strange mist appeared. And it was in frame after frame after frame. In the first beginning, you can see the the deer's hooves lying there. And in the last frame, the deer is gone. 
I said, let's go look for tracks. So we go look for tracks. There's these five-toed, seven-pad tracks that I have many pictures of and castings of along the edge of the field. And he could see that there were tracks that looked like large canine prints deeply embedded in the soil, and there was only the hindset. And it had to go somehow over a barbed wire fence and into the next field. And he and uh, a friend of his followed it all the way through that field to where it ended up at another road, and they had to stop. If I had a fucking animal, that uh, okay, if I had a fucking chick that was dressed up as an animal, he didn't even ask me if I had to fuck him, but obviously I'm going to fuck him. If I had, so what I'm taking it as, if I had a fucking chick that was dressed up as an animal, it would definitely, 100%, without a doubt, no questions asked, be a fox. Fox man's a little, fox lady and dog man. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so what you heard there is like, they, they did get some physical evidence of something weird. How do you convince modern uh, scientists and academia to investigate this stuff. They're they're not going to do that. Yeah, the, so the the there's plenty of evidence there. Uh, the same way you convince courts that there was massive election fraud and rigging in the 2020 election, you don't. It doesn't happen. I, I was yelling about this uh, last podcast. It, That's it, probably it, what made me think of it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, well, I there's there's plenty of evidence for these weird phenomenon happening, whether it's UFOs, Bigfoot. Or or, uh, or or dogman. There's there is evidence, whether it's proof or not, uh, has yet to be determined. But there's a, a large body of evidence, even what they collected there in that uh, that clip. It's just it doesn't matter what the evidence is anymore. And I was screaming about this a couple of days ago on the show. It it all comes down to is perception. You could have all the evidence you want. It doesn't matter unless the mainstream media gives it attention at which point there is a tipping point where the public will start to go, oh, yeah, maybe there is something to that. And we've seen this with the UFO phenomenon. Everyone who's come out and talked about UFOs, ranging from ex-military to eyewitness encounters, they were all deemed as crazy or delusional or schizophrenic up until, like, late 2017 when the New York Times came out with their ATIP program and Pentagon insiders releasing FLIR footage from Navy craft. Uh, then, at which point in time, it can be taken just a little bit more seriously. But even then, if you talk about alien abductions, you're classified as some lunatic. Yeah, I, here's my thing with that. I, I don't know. Like, why? what's the motivation? Why are they coming out now? It seems we're doing a whole episode on Bluebeam on Wednesday with Booberry. And I don't know. To me, this seems like some kind of weird psyop, uh, fake alien invasion they're prepping us for. Like, what was the... Um, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182, his To the Stars Academy scam that he's running with those CIA and ex-military generals and admirals. It's just like, it's like, I want to believe in UFOs, but man, those those videos are so unconvincing to me. The Tic Tacs and all that. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of right there with you. I'm skeptical of about, uh, of the reasons why they are trying to be, I guess, quote unquote, more honest with what is going on right now. Uh, right. And when the mainstream media reports on it, I'm equally uh, take it with a grain of salt there. Now, what is their motivation? Yeah, it's a good story. But what ultimately is their goal for releasing this? Because what's what's the net benefit be- besides ratings? What is the benefit for the Pentagon and people in there to be releasing this information unless they want to start creating a new narrative 
about what these things are. And I, I have been on the my own opinion, which is they're doing this because they want some sort of space tax for Space Army. <laughs> space Force. Space Force. Yeah. Uh, there's there's that's a potential. I also think it's like shit what did ronald reagan say and Werner von braun and all these guys like if we had a, a an alien invasion then we could easily come together as a world and set up a world government that's what i think and so there i think this the ufo the true ufo phenomenon is is much more complicated than just a craft built in some other solar system and it actually might link back to what people experience with with dogman that there are these stories that have existed. And there's a, a paranormal investigator, ex-Navy guy that I had on my my side program called Night Talk, and people can listen to all those episodes on uh, the YouTube channel to search for OBDM videos. And I, I interviewed this guy a few years ago. I brought him on to talk about Missing 411 and Dogman. But Jack Carey, uh, he's, he's looked into a lot of these cryptozoological things, and specifically Dogman, and he found almost like a, a story migration pattern that happened in uh, uh, Native American and indigenous people from Canada and the Americas here that kind of originated around the Michigan area and traveled down through the plains and wound up in the southern Texas area. And those stories that happened along that route all featured large dog creatures, uh, dogmen, if you will, that uh, were through their throughout their folklore, um, and he also found that uh, down in um, in your neck of the woods, right around Tennessee, Alabama, that there were uh, something like of a, a dogman cult, where there's these people that would perform rituals and would claim that they would be able to transform themselves into dogman creatures, werewolves, and. This is fat, like weird stuff, these little pieces of folklore that pop up. And people are now currently in modern day uh, still experiencing sightings of Dogman. So so it, just uh, to put two and two together from what you just said, the cult was successful, theoretically, uh, and they turned into dog people? According to Jack Carey, yeah, he, he, he did find that uh, this, this occult-like practice um, – was something that did occur. Now, whether or not they actually transformed themselves into dogs, uh, there were, I believe, a series of murders that did happen at town. I'm, I, I, I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have a lot of details here, but um, there were a series of murders in that town that uh, did happen in and around that time where that cult did exist. Uh, and it's all like a lot of anecdotal, circumstantial, but uh, pretty crazy. I, how, I didn't how, know about Dogman until Dean told me about it like a couple of weeks ago. So I, I dig through all, all this stuff. The past few days I've been digging through uh, all the books I have when it comes to strange humanoid encounters. And uh, I'm categorizing and cataloging specific ones when it comes to dwarves, people that have encountered dwarf-like entities uh, from the early part of the 80s. I'm talking about uh, 12 AD up until the dark... Uh, yeah, something like that. Like two foot people, hairy. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, they're they're around, but these are these are stories that uh, have evolved over time. It almost seems like the perception of these incredible events change 
with the cultural norms at the time. So people will experience dwarves because that's in their culture. Then that kind of morphs into uh, something that is uh, much more modern. Like the, the perception of the technology and these entities changes as our own technology and perception changes. So these encounters shift as we shift uh, technologically and perception-wise. So people in the late 1800s might experience something that is like a hot air balloon, a steampunk hot air balloon, but that then that morphs into a disc in the 50s and then as something more sleek in the 90s and 2000s. It's a, it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah, I've uh, the only thing I've seen lately is Clockwork Elves. Um, yeah, the the DMT Clockwork Elves. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. I don't know how I feel about all that. I don't know. Uh, I, I I haven't experienced anything. Like, I've I've done a lot of acid in my time, and I haven't experienced anything like that. Yeah, acid. It's not usually acid is pretty tame for me, except for the first alleged time I took it and that was uh that would be an hour that would tell me an, take me an hour to uh tell that story but that that was a day that really made me question the nature of reality and the afterlife and a lot of things that I didn't think were out there that I now am open to but if you run into the dog man out in the wild you just give him a cookie can I give you a cookie can I give yeah. you a cookie yeah uh, oh I, a cookie yeah I love that Alex Jones clip so you got Alex Chicken Jones clips that McNuggets. I don't have. Yeah, yeah. Chicken McNuggets. I don't know. I you got. You said you had some it, good eat AJ. Eat it, eat it. <laughs> I got some. <laughs> you said you had your top, top twenty twenty AJ clips. Yeah, I got the. Was eating jalapenos during the break. I got the. <laughs> the you got that one. I was eating jalapenos during the break. Hey, there we go. <laughs> That's a classic one. And the pickles uh, classic. That's not yeah. how you open a can of pickles. I got the the Alex Jones uh, pickle montage. Here we here's Ooh. the montage I have. Pickles, 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 the pickles, pickles, pickles. pickles. And that was back when uh, Alex Jones was going on about pickles because Pickle Hillary game, Clinton right? was trying to yeah. open up a jar of pickles on what was it, uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. Yeah, I like how he calls it a can though. That's not how you open a can of pickles. He's got a container of pickles. A container of pickles. <laughs> pickles. <laughs> like how he says pickles. A container of pickles. Pickles. Ugh. They can't wait to send the police to your house to chop your testicles off. That is true. Yeah. They they are Bad they really true. want to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but you're I, I do have uh some Alex Jones rants. Uh these are maybe the top six or seven rants of Alex Jones from two thousand and twenty. You wanna do it? All right, before you do that, just an announcement. I like women with big, giant tits and big asses. Hell yeah. All right, I'm ready. I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a woman. He's a man. He's a man. No, I'm a man. <laughs> Got a lot of Alex Jones man clips. He likes to pronounce that he is a man and he wants people to know that. No, I'm a man. I'm a woman. You remember that night Trump bombed Syria? He's like, I ain't never been in bed with no man. But if I did, if I like men, I'd be proud of it and I'd have a line of them. He's got, yeah, he likes to uh, talk about how he is a man, but he also says stuff like this. Sucking a ding dong. He, he won't be <laughs> sucking a ding dong. He's, he's never sucked a ding dong. I know I'm evil. <laughs> Suck on my ding dong. I, 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 I know I'm evil, but I try to be good. 
And I hope God forgives me. Oh, I cut that one off too quick. I hope God uh, he, forgives me. Here's the ding dong rant. I, I, this, this is not even the best of uh, of 2020, Alex Jones. This is from 20 April 2018. Golf him talking about the ding dongs. Was that? Yeah. Is it the golf ball through a garden hose? Uh, maybe. Let's, I, yeah. It's been a while since I heard it. Let's listen. Classic. What do you think Roger Stone did? He wanted the beard for Trump. <laughs> for Trump sucking cock. He was a guy that would go out with Trump in between marriages and would, you know, go out with the girl Trump was dating. I heard that. I read it in the newspaper. I didn't hear from Roger Stone. Good save. There's no video of President Trump sucking a ding dong. <laughs> and so what if there was? That's a lot better than World War Three, Owen. I never sucked any ding dongs. <laughs> Uh, that that was that was uh, from 2018. Yeah, right but, after that, he says, and if they were going to blackmail me to start World War III, I'd tell them I sucked a, sucked a golf ball through a freaking garden hose. <laughs> I missed that one. That's like the right the sentence after that. Uh, uh, classic. Let's let's do the uh, Alex Jones 2020 uh, rants. This is what I got here, and oh, yeah. I'll I'll do the official transition. This is the music I play. <laughs> Uh, this first one is called the, uh, the vibrator boy scout rant. And it's about 30 seconds long. Here we go. It's like handing out vibrators and lubrication to seven year old girls. But, but this is what, well, they're, they're boys. We're going to chop their balls off. They're tra- transgender. They can take it. Get in there and be tough, son. <laughs> they're going to get your anal scout badge. From your 20-year-old Boy Scout instructor. I mean, I'm sorry. That's what we do in America now. We chop our son's genitals off. We give him condoms and say, get in that tent and learn how to give a blowjob right now. She got a one-inch pecker. <laughs> uh, one-inch pecker? No, he's got a two-foot ding-dong. He has a two-foot-long ding-dong. <laughs> He was talking, so that that uh, two foot long thing. He was talking about, uh, uh, I think, Gavin Newsom of the, the governor of California. Oh, Incredible! Boy. Incredible! Uh, well, this this you next son rant, of a piece of garbage. I, I hate sorry, you. Alex. My listeners sorry. hate you, and remember that scumbag forever. <laughs> sorry, Alex. Jesus, didn't know you were doing. Excuse that. me. Um, family this, show. It is a family show. This next rant I have is this is Alex rant. This is like March, April 2020. So COVID is it has just hit. There's a lot of uh, news reports about frontline workers and nurses. And in this rant, Alex is going over his experience and his view of all the nurses and doctors. They're taking pills. They're drinking vodka. They're drinking whiskey. They're drinking wine coolers. They're drinking white claw. They're having sex. His hospitals are empty, and all there is is booty call time. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Rocking everywhere. <laughs> rocking everywhere. Thanks. What's sad about this is I listened to, apparently listened to so much Infowars that I remember hearing most of these clips live. <laughs> I listen so, like, my listeners don't have to. I just pick out the, the, the gems here and there. And, That's you know, Alex Jones is, 
he's a very divisive uh, person in the conspiracy community. There's a lot of people think that he's a disinfo agent and Mossad. that he is. He's a he's a tool of Mossad or the CIA sent to poison the well and mislead people. I I'm of the opinion that I think he believes everything that he says and he's trying to be as honest as possible most of the time. It's not to say that he can't be used or fed BS, which yeah. I think is a, a possibility. Yeah, exactly. It does happen. And now, I think uh, his dad might be his handler because he was talking about the second time he was on Rogan, that like five hour one they he went into how his dad was working for DARPA and like putting chip implants in people's teeth for the CIA. And I'm like, and then that around that time, NPR came out with this whole uh, story about how Alex is, would like turn his tongue black and was doing all this weird stuff in high school, which was probably a BS hit piece, but they had all these people from Alex's childhood to say, and they thought he was like demon possessed or whatever. And I, I took that as propaganda, but I kind of like pieced together this thesis, like, what if Alex Jones' dad was like MK Ultra and Alex and like set him up to be this guy he is today? Because his dad worked for DARPA or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, Alex Jones has certainly galvanized his own audience, and millions of people know about him and listening and listen to him, and will you know follow him to marches and rallies. So, if it if it has if the the ultimate purpose purpose was to set up Alex Jones as some sort of disinfo, you know, Pied Piper agent. I don't think it's worked because it's, it's kind of uh, created a group of people that are, are fairly proactive politically and, and being outspoken on the internet. So yeah, that's my thing is I think Alex has done like net gain wise. He's done more good than bad by far, but yeah, I I agree. A couple more clips here. This is this next clip. This is probably uh, every, every, I would say every five, six months, Alex Jones has his, his greatest, like a new single that he puts out. And, uh, and this one is, has gone, went viral, will continue to go viral. And this is the eat your ass rant. Oh, yeah. I will eat your ass. And that's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. You're not, we're going to dig you out of those bunkers. We're going to dig you out of those holes. You make us eat. Let me tell you something right now. I swear to God, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get my hands around your throat. And you know, that's why you're begging for peace right now. You should have thought about that when you turned down Christ a long time ago. You want to meet with me, you Satanist? Meet with me? How about you get on your knees to Christ? You'd meet with my boss right now. I will eat you. It's all you spirit cookers act all tough all day. How you're doing your little satanic rituals and drinking blood and stuff. I'll drink your blood. You understand that? I will I will hang your ass up and cut you into cutlets like a filet mignon and grill your ass before I watch my daughter starve to death. See, now you took society and civilization as if it was some joke you could piss on all day. Didn't you understand? You unleash the animal once you do. You unleash the beast, and you're not the beast. I don't claim I'm the most tough guy around, but compared to you, Compared to you, I'm Godzilla on steroids. <laughs> but just for the courts and everything, I'm joking around here. <laughs> oh! <laughs> what the hell is this? I will. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I got like a lot of his little weird things. Uh, um, 
Mm, got a few more here. We're having a good time. You want me to continue? I got like probably like uh, three or four more Alex Jones rants. I can never get enough Alex Jones, especially in 2020. Hit me. All right. This is the You Will Pay rant. Here we go. They are crying uncle right now and just begging us to stop. And I guess what? I'm not going to stop. And if you kill me, it'll make it even bigger. But if you want to go ahead and pull the trigger, do it, Bill. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm not a sack of crap like you, boy. (laughs) I don't get off on killing people. If it's the last thing I do, even after I'm shoveled in my grave, my spirit will live on through the people and you will pay. You will pay. This is the real world right here. This is not fantasy land. And I risk (laughs) my life doing this. This isn't breadcrumbs and horse shit. I mean, this is real. It's real. Um, so when Alex goes out onto the street, sometimes he'll go out bullhorning. Sometimes he'll visit uh, different states, D.C. He'll visit uh, Oregon. And sometimes he will just go out to restaurants. And when he goes out in public, he is often confronted. People will make fun of him. He will he will be battling verbally with people. And in this next clip, he goes into how he deals with confrontations. You think I want to get up and go over to their table and ruin their dinner and grab their steak off their plate and eat it in front of them? I've done that. <laughs> oh, no, I got every. This is probably I like one this of two. This is sad. I'm realizing how much Alex Jones I listened to to where I've <laughs> got most of these live. I'm like, God, I need to rethink my life. This is uh, this is probably one of my favorite clips. He's going into he's walking into a restaurant. Someone's making fun of him. So he just walks over, grabs the food off their plate and starts eating it. Uh, here's 30 <laughs> seconds here. I'm sorry. I just rewind. It's just it's this so is good. a good one. Yeah. You think I want to get up and go over to their table and ruin their dinner and grab their steak off their plate and eat it in front of them? I've done that. I have to do it because I can't sit there and lay on my belly while they piss on me. And it's not about arrogance or bravada or, 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 or I'm a prideful person. They want to enslave me. They want to enslave you. They want our children. They want our future. And yes, they look like zombies. And yes, they're dumb. That's because the spirit that's on them. We will look like that. We will act like that if they take over our souls. I have to do it. Hey, Alex, can you hear me? Yeah, of course I can hear you. I just want to tell you. Yeah, uh, so first off. <laughs> I love it when he yells at callers. When he, yeah. take, when he takes phone calls and he can't uh, hear anybody, he just, go, he just goes crazy. And uh, he, he he hates the phone lines, but he loves them at the same time. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I li- I almost I was at work listening like a while back, and I literally like almost started crying. I was laughing so hard when the first time I heard a caller. When you take calls on OBDM, I heard a caller say like "hello," and then Alex coming back with a <laughs> "hello." <laughs> I was like, I literally almost, I literally almost cried. I was laughing so hard. Got to know like, when to use them, but. It's yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. I I had a an Alex Jones ring every time someone would call in the show through Skype. I had uh, Alex Jones saying "ding dong," but Skype's such a piece of crap now. They they took out all the customized uh, ring settings. So, oh yeah, maybe one day we'll have Alex Jones uh, ringtones back in. Um, but two more rants here. Two more. Um, and this is the liberal dog rant. This is. Another epi- another uh, segment of AJ confronting someone on the street. Uh, here we go. And I am pissed off that that slack-jawed liberal leftist didn't like me wearing a mask, so he had his dog bite me on the arm. And they're so delusional when I 
punched that dog in the head a couple times. The dog thought it bit me. I said, I got you. And when I cracked that dog's head in, that guy looked at me and said, my dog, you hit my dog. I'm like, yeah, it ain't a one-way street, you son of a bitch. You're lucky I didn't kill your dog. That's what I told him. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get that Dvorak cry in there. Yeah. Uh, one more. This is the the last one uh that I got from uh, Alex of twenty twenty. No, I want ten more. Uh, I got a lot. I got a lot. <laughs> but this is the last one that I curated for twenty twenty. This is the uh, Hitler's blood rant. Here we go. Find out who the most devout Christians are and kill them because he was he was a Satanist on record. He would flop around on the ground and go, I want more blood. And just go, I want blood. I want blood. And just flop, blood, blood. And he would scream and yell and start chewing the carpet. They'd say, yes, sir. And he'd say, I'll have you tortured to death and your family unless you kill more people. Satan wants more blood. Now, That's- I haven't looked into this stuff, but I could see that being factually accurate. Yeah, probably. I mean, Hitler was a sick fuck. So why not? Die, Hitler! <laughs> Mm. Uh, no, I think Hitler. I think uh, Hitler and von Braun were like the godfathers of this fake alien invasion blue beam shit. The more I look into it, I've been trying to research it for the Wednesday's upcoming episode, and it's all a bunch of theories and shit. But it seems like all roads lead back to the Reich as far as blue beam, and they were building UFO prototypes. We know that for sure. I yeah, I don't think that the you know the more you read about the UFO phenomenon, it really does kind of start back at uh, some of the weird tech that Germany was uh, building uh, yeah. during the war. Whether it's like the 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 Nazi Bell or all the the weird little uh, Foo Fighters that they were building, and I know it's very divisive, like in the UFO community, like oh they Hitler wasn't that advanced, and the Third Reich wasn't that advanced with their technology. Then you have the other side where it's like oh no. Hitler was really into the occult and was using the Vril Society to channel information from the Draco uh, reptilians to get ideas to build upon. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, But as soon as, you know, World War II ended, half the scientists pretty pretty much went to the Soviet Union. We took the other half to start up our rocket programs, and you had Alan uh, Dulles and I think even Kissinger with uh, working uh, and using... Uh, you know, uh, Project Paperclip to get a lot of the Nazi intelligence officers to build up the, uh, the uh, I guess the, the the tactical ability of intelligence gathering by using ex SS officers. So we really adopted a lot of the Third Reich and integrated them into our bureaucratic structure here in the United States. And I'm sure something similar happened within the Soviet Union, but you also have like uh, the 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 theories that. Hitler didn't die, and a good chunk of the upper uh, echelons of the SS just went to Argentina and South America. And then even some of them may have fled to uh, a base uh, in Antarctica. And so what happened to all that tech? What happened to all the, the that amazing Nazi technology? Did it just disappear? Did we adopt and take some of it? Or did they wind up just kind of retreating and continue to use it? And in the late part of like right after World War II, you had a, a large UFO flap. You had the Roswell uh, incident. You had the first uh, sightings of uh, UFOs and disc over Mount Rainier by Kenneth Arnold. You have 
You have the huge UFO flap over D.C., I believe, in 1952. Um, and I, I think a lot of people have speculated, like, the Nazis didn't go away. They just continued to work on their technology in secret. And occasionally, there would be a show of force by them demonstrating their technological capability, whether it was over Mount Rainier or flying right over the White House in Washington, D.C. in the 1950s. Yes. Uh, and I think, well, I don't know. This is just a dumb theory I've been thinking about. But what if, because hi, like history is written by the victor, as, uh, as the phrase goes. But what if uh, the Nazis actually won World War II and history's just been written to make it seem like they didn't and Paperclip was just like a background deal where they really just took over things? Because Hitler's dream of the... EU came to fruition. Hitler's dream of the Olympics that he drew the symbol for came to fruition. You had Bayer, uh, Coca-Cola, um, IBM, all these companies that helped round up Jews, track Jews. Uh, Bayer helped build the gas for the chambers. IBM helped build the prints for everything. And they're like bigger than they were then now, like globally successful. So what if the Nazis actually won? I, I I think that is a, a plausible theory. The the the, the Nazis and the Hitlers of uh, you know their their process of trying to exterminate every Jewish person um, that was yeah they they hated the Jews but they also used it as a tactic to galvanize public support and it almost doesn't matter at a certain point um, what race or political ideology it is is a tactic that is used to galvanize support. And a lot of those Nazi tactics were and have been integrated into our intelligence agencies and bureaucracies and forms of propaganda. That's and how we got MKUltra, I think, was from the Nazi scientists. Yeah, and so it probably has been used. There probably was a merging of ideology that, uh, like, hey, yeah, the Nazis, they're bad people, but, you know, they, they justify, like, they did good work and they were able to control population <laughs> through propaganda and they got they got stuff done. So this is integrate all their shit into what we do. And I think we're probably living through some form of a fourth Reich right now where there is a, you can call it the deep state. You can call it the, yeah. a double government. Um, but there is that lifelong bureaucratic uh, institution that, that it exists no matter what administration is in power. We have the same kind of foreign policies, the same kind of trade deals. And it doesn't really matter what the president de uh, does or says. They're just going to keep marching and, and doing what they want. And I think that we're living through that right now. I don't yeah. know, what it, I don't know what it culminates to other than some sort of new world order. Yeah. Well, like, the new world, that's, the, uh, that's definitely, the, we're, we're building back better into the Great Reset so we can set up the new world order. That's for sure happening. Um, are you, this is kind of going off on a slight tangent. Um, but regarding the deep state, are you, would you be upset with spoilers for yesterday's no agenda? No. Okay. So Adam presented a prediction that I tend to think is a distinct possibility, which is having two inaugurations simultaneously. We have Biden do his digital inauguration and Trump do his, you know, actual inauguration where it's supposed to be with the packed crowd. And we go on for, in 2021 having two presidents 
and dimension A and dimension B get even wider. I think that's like a possible outcome. I like the theory, but how does that really work? Because we all know that the, uh, I would say 30%, 30, 30 to 40% of the country habitually digests the mainstream media. And that becomes the reality because then that is propagated out through all social media uh, channels. And right. regardless of how much actual support Trump has, it could be well over 55% of the country. Perception is the key. If they choose to do that, then how does that really function throughout the the media? Because the media is the one that controls reality at this point. So Trump can do that and have his own inauguration and even have a majority of the support, hypothetically. But unless people perceive it as such, it will not amount to much. Well, Obama gave, uh, I'm assuming by accident, gave Trump the power of the internet kill switch and sending out like mass texts and taking over TV stations. So what do you it, think would happen if that, if, if that really took place? Um, hopefully it wouldn't be a hot civil war. Hopefully it would be, well, I'm just still waiting on the thousands of sealed indictments and I think I'll be waiting until the day I die. But um, I'm assuming like we could theoretically have a, secede from the union over the next 40 then this is all like i would give this about a 15 percent chance of happening at best but if i would like, uh, so know, the 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 maga land separates from the rest of the country which is most mo more than half the states easily so i i would speculate that if that were to occur there would be massive protests then you would have uh, a there's the, the the bureaucracies of within the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies are already kind of split. And so that there are, has already been an internal civil war going on. And that might just go a little hotter Then I think you might wind up seeing people and uh, in, in, in entities like uh, the FBI trying to arrest other people uh, within those like two to three weeks and then those arrests not taking place in a very clean way. And so there, I think there would be skirmishes. Like if that, if Trump were to have his own inauguration and then continue to do executive orders to, and have the FBI or the military do something at which point that those orders are issued, then you'd see massive protests and fight back and probably skirmishes. I mean, if that were to happen, it would be absolute insanity. I think the, the 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 stock market would tumble, and the economy would uh, just hit a wall because the stock market and businesses love the status quo, so they can make accurate market predictions on what may occur for the next couple quarters. But if Trump decides to do that, then that would throw that out the window, and Trump's economy that he loves dearly would wouldn't be there I well just, if he uh, leaves it won't be there either because china's gonna china owns biden they pretty much brag about it i agree but what okay so what's trump's angle then why does he seem so confident i don't know um and he he might be just a good actor and projecting that confidence is is part of just his personality like no matter what the situation you go in as confident as possible to get the desired outcome. It might be a psychological tactic. But if what yeah. Alex Jones is, says is to be believed, Alex Jones is talking to Roger Stone, 
Alex Jones is talking to some people fairly close to uh, Donald Trump. And Alex says that uh, Trump is not good. He's not in a good mental state. He doesn't, um, he's, he's, he's down and out. He doesn't have a lot of support around him. And that uh, a lot of these are Hail Mary attempts. And the confidence that he is projecting, uh, Donald Trump is projecting, is, uh, is uh, a lot of fluff. Like, he can throw his inauguration. It doesn't matter unless people are willing to follow his orders. And if the entire media is against it, there's a lot of shame. This culture, the past five years, has done a, an amazing job at creating a, a culture of shame, of shaming people into doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do, whether it is uh, to publicly denounce uh, Donald Trump even though they might secretly like them or shame people into wearing masks. It's a culture of shame. The media is very good at creating that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's at some point, it seems like if Trump knew he was going to lose, he would just concede, but maybe he just has that big of an ego. I think I'm still holding that hope that he's got something in his back pocket that he's about to whip out. All the people are saying January 6th, but I mean, hell, um, I don't know. I think it was Hotep Jesus and a couple other people were saying like January 6th, if enough Patriots show up in DC with guns, I mean, that's going to win them the election right there. Cause what are they going to do? But you know, that's not the way you want to win a, you no. want it to be a, a, you don't want it to be a, a, a show of force as much as you want it to be like winning the info wars. Alex. Wouldn't that be a revolution? Like if you show up in DC and uh, essentially strong arm politicians. That is uh, a revolution. It's not unlike what uh, Black That's, Lives Matter did. You know, they they showed up in force. Well, They'll we, show up. We don't need to do it violently, though. Or no, I say I, yeah, we I, as if I, I'm like some kind of gun toting Trump lover. But I, I mean, like they would need to do it violently. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's. I think if you, it's good to show that the people have that kind of power. Um, but I agree. It, but you, yeah, you don't. If it's done right, it's, it should a, a revolution shouldn't have to be violent. You just have to show that, like, hey, we we actually are awake and are not going to be, you know, submitting to these lockdowns that are going to go for the next hundred years. Here's what I here's what I think may happen is that uh, Pence or whoever is counting the votes in the Senate, they will say something like this: We acknowledge that there was election shenanigans. We acknowledge that uh, a lot of the the votes that were mailed in cannot be authenticated, and we acknowledge that there is discrepancies in the election and that Donald Trump may have actually won. But uh, to preserve the union and to preserve the Constitution as it is right now, uh, we are going to put in Biden. And uh, with a caveat that all elections henceforth will have some sort of federal regulation and insurance and counting system and mechanism put in place. And that's it. I think that's the best is that, that we're going to be able to see there is like is some public acknowledgement, but it's going to go with the status quo like that. Everything we've seen thus far has been to try to get the status quo back in with maybe some acknowledgments of some hanky-panky here and there, but the status quo loves itself, and it's going to do anything it can to get back to what it was five years ago. Yeah, I think if Biden gets in and every indication looks like he's going to, 
Like I just it, the trust the plan narrative seems to be falling apart day by day. But yeah, I know people that are still totally convinced that Trump's got got this handled. But um, yeah, it, it seems like if Biden gets in there, then we're we're not going to be able to trust an election ever again. I mean, if they get away with it, why would they ever stop mass mail and voting? They'll do it every election. I I tend to agree, and uh, and and this is what's frustrating when I talk to some of my friends. I got like a lot of liberal friends where they will say a story is debunked or the evidence is not there. And it's like, well, have you looked Baseless. at anything? Yeah, have you looked at any of this stuff? Like, no, no, I read this. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's baseless. And yeah, that, that term It's like, if you haven't yourself looked at any of this stuff, then why are you taking the word of these media organizations that said constantly for the past four years that the walls are closing in, he's going to be out of office, he's going to be prosecuted, like all this stuff that they told you over and over again is false. Why would you believe this? And I use that. They don't have a good answer. And I also use a logic. Well, why do you believe the intelligence organizations about Russia collusion when they were so wrong about WMDs? They don't have a response. It is. It, this is what I was yelling about. Like evidence doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it all, it all, all that matters is your belief and how loud you are about uh, shouting your beliefs. That's all that matters. Yeah, no, it's like, well, it, you could, yeah, you can apply that logic to anything. It's like, just to take it to a really dumb level, it's what Eddie Bravo says about Flat Earth. He's like, people can't convince you of that. You have to find that shit on your own. And I'm not a Flat Earther, but the logic is sound. It's like, at a certain point, you just can't, like, convince somebody that something happened. They have to, like, want to actually... They have to want the knowledge. Like they, you can't. No matter what you show them, no matter how good the evidence is, like you said, they're not gonna. It's not gonna process for them until they go through that journey on their own, and they, they have something, some event happen that really wakes them up and starts that ball rolling for them. But that's everything in life. You can't convince somebody to start working out and being healthier. There, there has. They have to come to that decision on their own. Right. Uh, that you can't you can't convince somebody that they need to stop smoking. They have to come to that uh, decision on their own. Whether that decision yeah. happens because of some medical problem or they're just ready for a change. Beyond that, you are not really able to convince anybody of anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm still smoking. So I still smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so I was like, I quit for maybe four months one time, and then like, uh, you know, you get drunk one day and you're like, man, cigarettes are great. And I haven't looked back since. Maybe one day yeah. I'll quit. But it's yeah. uh, when you when you drink alcohol, there is nothing like having a cigarette with your drink. It's the best. And it, it, it is the it, best. It, it really is. And uh, and I used to be a huge huge drinker. I'll have a, like I would I was drinking. I would say six days a week for uh, a good ten years out of my life. But uh, a couple of years ago, I stopped drinking as much. Now I have a drink probably once every two months. And uh, it's easier to quit stuff when you're not drinking. Um, I do miss drinking. It's a, every now and again when I do have a drink, it is nice. But man, yeah. I don't wake I'd like up to get to very like well. One month a day, that'd be good. I, I I just don't I don't wake up like the hangovers got to be too intense for me. And there's this one day where I woke up with this hellacious migraine from drinking because probably dehydration. And I was like, fuck it, I cannot do this anymore. Like I'm like almost 40 and i was like i can't uh, i can't deal with these hangovers and uh i just yeah, stopped I and never looked back but 
I'm only 26. That's probably why I don't get hangovers. I'll, I'll well, get I, there eventually. I, yeah, I didn't get. I was. I knew how to drink, and I was like, I. Uh, I was like, I, I can deal. Like I'd be a little groggy more groggy in the morning, but um, I don't know. I just got to that point where I was ready. At 26. My God, I was playing in metal bands. I was. I was out every night drinking and trying to play shows and be a rock star. And oh man, like uh, to be 26 again. I was resilient and ready to drink every day. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm not an everyday God, drinker. I've, I've don't ever, take, I've don't been ever change. Easy lately, but yeah, <laughs> I've been taking it easy lately. Well, the thing is, the wife doesn't want me to drink as much, and that's another thing. So it's like, the, yeah, it's like sometimes you want to change, but then sometimes your wife wants you to change, and that's more of a motivator, I guess. It is my my wife. Uh, <laughs> God bless her. She is she's healthy. She is uh, she eats correct, um, and I, I guess it's, I should say more correct. And uh, she does yoga, and it was super beautiful in the shape and i you know i feel guilty sometimes that uh, i can be such a slob and i'll sit around and and i'm married to a vegan dude yeah my 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 wife's a vegan too and uh, (laughs) i definitely i i have a better lifestyle with her like i eat better and i try to take care of myself a little i i've always tried to work out just to combat all the alcohol uh uh, calories i take in but uh you know i don't change because of her i just look to her as a a better example of what I could be. And it's not necessarily ever about attaining that goal, but just trying to live a little better. Um, but yeah, I mean, Baby I can be a real slob sometimes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Big time. <laughs> no, that goes, uh, well, man, I don't know. Uh, we did, a we did a we whole, did it like, all. yeah, I think we, I think we touched on a, a lot there. Um, we did. I, I meant food. to give a, yeah, I'm I'm getting hungry. Uh, I meant to give a shout out to the uh, I don't even know. I'm s- still kind of groggy. I meant to give a shout out to the No Agenda podcast or uh, sw- God Swapcast between like we had. I, it's amazing how well it worked out last night. We had I think at one point twenty different people on the stream, audio only. So, you, um, and there was not that much crosstalk, not that many people talking over each other. It worked out amazingly well, but we had. Sir Bimrose, Darren O'Neill, a bunch of knights and dames. We had Nick the Rat, the Bull After Bull crew, the Hog Story crew, um, to Cold Acid, Abel Kurt, all the just all a bunch of no agenda people, and with, that all have their own podcast. And it was kind of like, um, which I really like that you guys are doing that. The Union of the Unwanted. It was kind of like that, but for no agenda on New Year's audio only. It was really good, and just uh, I needed to give a shout out to that whole crew from last night. Cause that was something else. We went till from nine at night till four in the morning. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I'll go back and take a listen. I don't think it's going to be posted anywhere. Oh I think it was man. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't let somebody recorded. I recorded maybe a chunk of it just cause there was some good sound bites in there that I needed to get out of Darren yelling things. I do. Uh, uh, I didn't clip any of those yet. You, you know, Darren, you know, any of those people? Uh, no, I, uh, I don't know him personally, oh, but you know of them. Yeah, I do. I do know of them. Yeah. I will bend that fucking rat over. Yeah. Well, Hey Chris, yeah. I gotta, I gotta go buddy. Um, yeah. thanks I'll, for uh, talking with me, dude. This was, this was great. And I'd love to talk to you again later on in the year, man. Oh right, yeah, absolutely. We'll get together again. Well, in the morning and, uh, Hey, blow me up. Yeah, absolutely. I'll blow you up over here. All right, cool. Have a good new year. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. 
It's not in the third dimension. They've made freaking deals with interdimensional aliens. Okay. I, and notice the media never attacks you for that because that's the truth. Maybe this is true. set up a world government. We're going to slowly titrate the dose and poison the public, dumb them down, put electromagnetic radiation out with 5G that scrambles their DNA, lowers their IQ. We're going to cause mass mental illness and a controlled societal collapse that will then be organized and controlled in the mop-up crew by robots controlled by the globalist programmers who believe with the off-world entities they're in communication with that they're going to be given the uh, operation to upload and be in that larger kind of board cube system. The 5G. Listen to me! What? They tried to recruit my dad to a DARPA program. The CIA is testing on cell towers uh, wavelengths to calm the public during crises. And I have talked to army generals, commanding generals, major generals, general generals. The 5G. Listen to me. CIA, everybody. And they're all 5G. What? Uh, <laughs> A-B-S-N-A. Six, the number, P-A-C-K dot com.